living space. A podcast about spas. Welcome to Male Living Space, a podcast about sparks. I'm Gib Christensen, and I love the band Sparks. I'm Jamie Ogihara, and I don't know one single thing about the band Sparks. And together, we're dissecting this seminal brotherly band's complete body of work, one album at a time. And so, obviously, to start, we're going with their debut album. Or, I guess, when they debuted technically as the band Half Nelson, before their label gave them the idea to kind of switch up the name and see if it could boost record sales after, I'd say, yeah, two albums. After they weren't doing so hot, they were just suggested, like, maybe switch it up a little bit. Maybe uh, Half Nelson isn't giving off your vibe. Because who are Sparks? Ron Mayle and Russell Mayle, two brothers from California who people can't seem to understand aren't from Britain. A band that's been going for 50 years now with over 20 albums has become known for being ahead of the game in so many different facets of popular music, whether it's the speedy drum riffs of punk, or starting the trend of fully electronic music, broody synth player and all. And so we've decided to cover their entire discography to really break down the impact they've had, and also just talk about the history of it. Yeah, so this first album comes out in 1971. Mm Mm-hmm. So this first studio album, Gib, I'm assuming it like constitutes the first recordings they ever did? Or was there something that happened before this band got together? So uh, when originally, when Half Nelson was formed, they recorded some demos that actually went under the name of their second album, uh, Woofer and Tweeter's Clothing, which I find really interesting. But it also has some tracks from the self-titled, and some that haven't been on a record at all. And so, originally this first record was put out as Half Nelson's debut, but then was repressed and put out again after their new name, trying to get some, you know, back catalog sales going on it. And essentially, this first record, while still uh, retaining their signature style from the get-go, is not tame necessarily but still more of their take on popular music instead of i guess predicting it if that makes sense you don't feel that it's like super representative of the more cutting edge stuff that they do later right exactly like because they were they're confident in this album for sure and their ideas and the instrumentation the lyrics and all that it's still very sparks mm-hmm. but they're not as a how do i say They don't kick the door in, essentially, I guess, with these tracks, with like an in-your-face, here's-who-we-are attitude. It's more of like tossing uh, our hat into the ring with this rock and roll music and see what goes down, and it ends up being great and super unique, in my opinion. So, like, this first album, I guess, like, you'd like describe it as rock music, the Sparks way. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Very good way of putting it. As opposed to, like, Sparks' music. Yeah, I think it's a great way to get into it, for sure, because there are still layers to everything, but not to an extent where, like, you can't tell what's serious or what's a joke or, like, the instrumentation isn't so weird that if you're more of a pop-aligned person, you're put off by it. It's more of that disarming type of, again, there Sparks' take on rock and roll, and then when you listen to it, you go, wait, what? 
what the hell is this about? <laughs> the instrumentation is more sort of of the moment, but I guess like you're saying, like lyrically, there's something kind of idiosyncratic happening. Yeah, exactly. It, it takes a bit more analysis from the listener, I think, to find the little nuggets of weird mm-hmm. uh, before I want to say, I'd say like their third album, Kimono My House, mm-hmm. is when it's fully, like unabashedly sparks. Before we embarked on this enormous uh, project, (laughs) had you heard this debut before? Yes, but only until recently. So I got into the band uh, the same way I'm sure now a lot of people, especially our age, have uh, through Edgar Wright's documentary, Mm -hmm. The Sparks Brothers. And once I saw that in theaters, I just wanted to immerse myself completely in all their work. Like, I had a feeling I'd enjoy it just because it's uh, my favorite director's favorite band. Mm -hmm. But I didn't expect to sort of feel such an impact afterwards where I'm like, this is so much of what I like about music in general is found within Sparks' stuff. Witty lyrics, really experimental with their instruments from album to album. Uh, a visual style that's consistent and extremely unique to them. Uh, a whole lot of ingredients for, like, the perfect musical the musical dish for me if I want to get real intellectual mm-hmm. and metaphorical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so ever since that movie came out, I've been just diving from album to album to album. I haven't yet gone, like, front to back with every single one. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we started working on this podcast, I still had listened to this album a decent amount because before I started just bouncing from record to record randomly, mm-hmm. I did try to go in order, but then I kept getting like caught by really catchy songs from like 10 years later that I'm like, ah, this record has me now. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get back to you, debut album. It was just like one of those things where like you would find a new favorite song, no matter like what album you kind of jumped to. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things I love about finding a band like this that has a giant discography. They've probably covered every mood by that point. So it's fun to just be like, oh, this album has this great song for this mood. But like five years before that, they have a kick-ass album for if I'm uh, feeling kick-ass, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it just makes it so fun to really dive into and research and all that because it's a lot of content, but not in like a like drowning sort of way where it's like i don't even want to try it's not like maybe i'll try one piece and try to get through all of it (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna i will become pirate anime no that is a life goal but to listen to all of the sparks albums that's a real that's just a project like i can believably do that and you know go outside well well that's well that's a relief that this podcast isn't going to hold you up <laughs> for my uh you know, my luxurious schedule of partying and uh whatever else i do i don't know well everyone tanks. knows that you're number one party boy uh, <laughs> certified by forbes number one party boy that's right <laughs> mm-hmm. i ate shrimp with warren buffett yeah you're you're uh you're the party boy king of the midwest <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, you betcha. Party all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually kind of been a bit of a struggle to keep you from partying to get you to get you here to do the show. Yeah, you'd think with my party and tendencies, I'd want to do an Andrew W.K. podcast. That's right. uh, 
who knows how long that would take that when you go into that there's conspiracy theories and stuff right there's some sort of conspiracy theories with sparks but like not as scary i guess oh there's conspiracy theories <laughs> yeah actually that brings me to a good thing i've found from the book i've been reading to learn more about their history talent is an asset the story of sparks by daryl let's butcher this last name easily <laughs> so there was a until like the early 2000s mm-hmm. a rumor that the male brothers were the sons of uh, was it doris day uh-huh and they just kept rolling with it until the early 2000s but they were like <laughs> we just thought it was really funny to say yes they were like all right sure if it gets you looking at us sure we're we're uh doris day's mysterious children <laughs> there was also a running thing where people thought that the last name male wasn't their real name. Also kind of adding to the day thing, so that for one, they'd separate themselves from their supposed mother, but also as sort of a play on just the the, the word male, as in like uh, a dude, a fella, a guy. Sure. Uh, to kind of roll with the fact that they play with gender stereotypes mm. and just from fashion, even just uh, Russell's really high vocal range. Yeah. So people thought maybe that was kind of a joke. Like, ah, oh, you're the males and look at you. Neither of you are these big macho men. Uh-huh. One of you's a big haired glam guy and the other is keyboard Hitler. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> God. Now to segue from keyboard Hitler. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I guess we'll talk more about like machismo and stuff like that when we get to the album closer. Yeah. So the first segment that we do on this show is our Sparks book report, where we each read one paragraph on the album that we're going to discuss. Uh, in this case, it's 1971 Sparks. Gib, would you like to share your Sparks book report? I would. Here is Gibbs Sparks' book report on the album Sparks from 1971. I call it Glock Jam 71. (laughs) Glam Jock Jams. Glock Jams! (laughs) I love it. Former high school quarterback has beef with nice guys and washed out opera stars. Come for the crazy high notes, stay for the horny biology lesson. And that is my Sparks book report of this episode. I love it. It's very much <laughs> like one of those like three sentence reviews that like I'd see in like the New York Post. Um, yeah, I was kind of giving it like a headline energy. Like I should be uh, yelling it from a street corner with a stack of newspapers. It's very like geared towards like selling the band. I love that. Okay, um, mine is, this is Jamie's Sparks book report on The debut album Sparks by the band Sparks from 1971. The 1971 self-titled debut album by California art rocker Sparks is ahead of its time, but in all the worst ways imaginable. (laughs) The rap breakdown on big bands presages years of embarrassing comedy raps. The soft rock schmaltz of Slow Boat would become the domain of Chicago and Air Supply, and everyone south of Alice Cooper has benefited from the invention of stadium-ready cock rock that happens on album closer, No More Mr. Nice Guys. <laughs> Two years before Queen and 10CC lit up the UK with their own self-titled album, Sparks was capable of showing that theatrical pop rock could be made, although the band failed to demonstrate that it could be made well. 
When Sparks isn't building a foundation for mediocre music, they masquerade as imitators of the Mothers of Invention. But where Frank Zappa's band balanced their comic retro genre pastiches with sophisticated experiments in classical music and jazz, Sparks is kneecapped by their own overwhelming preference for the consciously zany and lame. In this reviewer's opinion, Sparks is the album that proves the old truism that an important record is nowhere near the same as a good record. Wow. That was great. It felt like um, if the 70s had Pitchfork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no, in a good way, in a good way. <laughs> that was wonderful. Uh, be- I just, I love the amount of, like, really poignant, sharp snark, but still loving, you know? I, I wrote it out of, <laughs> I could honestly see, like, a lot of, like, the ways in which, like, Sparks is, is mirroring certain things that were going to come in 70s rock. My issue kind mm-hmm. of comes with the fact that, like, I find a lot of the most popular 70s rock to be kind of mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely feel that, yeah. Sort of uh, the birth of dad rock to an extent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that, the 70s were when all the dads bought some cargo shorts a little bit of weed from their stepson and just wanted to jam. <laughs> they just wanted to jam. Like it's like it's the era of like Dio, you know? It's the <laughs> the, the era of gotta get away from this ball of chain music. <laughs> yeah. Ab- absolutely. Like it's the era of like Atlanta rhythm section, Grand Funk Railroad. Like <laughs> Bachman, yeah. Turner, Overdrive? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, that's great. And of course, Loggins and Messina. We'll talk more about Yacht Rock when we get to Slow Boat, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> so, listeners, we are going to be rating everything on the Ignitometer. Because this is a podcast about sparks, and therefore the scale on which everything is measured will be based on the things that create sparks. So, Gib, I'm going to say that your snappy, um, extra, extra, read all about it, sparks book report, on a scale of stone to oil left in pan too long, I'm going to give it a Tesla coil, because I love the idea of glam rock jock jams. I thought that was very, very well put. Thank you. And Jamie, for your Sparks book report on the scale, I would give it a bad toaster. Really? Yeah. Uh, I know I, I, I kind of made it sound like I'm sort of uh, giving you uh, some, some guff mm-hmm. about the, uh, I'm not even sure I call it like, necessarily negative critiques or anything, but still, I, I like that you showed both sides, that you really had a like fleshed out opinion. Uh, and even like named some specific tracks and all that. It felt really thorough. Mine sounds like something you'd hear screamed. Yours is something I'd actually read. <laughs> I wonder if we have to kind of make that sort of like the template for all of our opinions. Like I have to be like super thoughtful and you can just like holler like half phrases. <laughs> yeah, you're more of a poet. I'm sort of uh, doing a key bump and just shouting about an album to the heavens. <laughs> just listen to it. Glam! Have you heard of Glam? <laughs> I'm writing poems. You're writing commercial jingles. <laughs> there you go. That's better. All right. Now let's get into the album proper. 
we've sure. given we've each given our thoughts on it. So we're going to name our top three tracks on the album. This is an album that's twelve tracks long. Give. Which were your top three tracks? My top three are one is Fala Fali, uh, Slow Boat, <laughs> and Biology Two. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My top three are No More Mr. Nice Guys, Biology Two, and Saccharin and the War. Oh, nice. So let's talk about Biology Two. Let's talk about Biology Two, <laughs> um, as we've already already discussed we're excited about a song that i wonder if it's just there so they can do the joke at the beginning there's a party at the allele pool (laughs) i i love that it just like that little moment just makes me excited every time i'm like i'm at at biology too (laughs) (laughs) the voice of the the vocals uh, acting opposite Russell. It, it's almost like Russell Mayle is singing a duet with a 10-year-old Natasha Lyonne. <laughs> Just like chain-smoking at recess. <laughs> There's like this wonderful also like kind of contrast between like the like the tinkling like Celeste piano and like that scronky guitar. <laughs> yeah, I I love it. It just sets up the mood immediately and I think it's a nice example of their now long history as a band of for lack of a better phrase of me they just kind of fucked up rhythms where they can do a regular pop hook but then there are jarring rhythms like these like you said kind of jangly and delightful at some points but then you've got that chunky guitar coming mm-hmm. in to just uh make sure you're not getting too comfortable yeah and the even the whole like duet concept and it being sort of if it is like some sort of like genre pastiche like i'd be getting like a kind of paul and paula like 50s squeaky clean feel to it but in the same way that like rocky horror did the 50s yeah um also i just really enjoy from a lyrical standpoint this kind of twisted concept a little bit about how they talk about like come on we should have kids we have the coolest genes we're awesome we can throw away the bad ones and like we'll just make awesome smart hot children if we just mate like Mm -hmm. yeah this idea of right what would have essentially been like a decade or so before like a sensual love song and then like really reducing it to the biological element of you know like all of these love songs all of these songs about sex are actually about the combination of genetic material (laughs) yeah and mendel's beans and men and mendel's beans um (laughs) yeah and that that melody is like really enchanting and broken up by those really harsh guitar strums i mean it really like it's a it's a track that like it makes you it makes you want to pay attention yeah that's yeah that's a really good point they wake you up if you somehow fell asleep from like the level of cuteness in the other section it's like are you here you awake like when a teacher drops books next to your head if you're sleeping if that's a universal uh, i i i I don't (laughs) i don't know if any child past the past the year like 1980 experienced that (laughs) Did, did you? Did a, did, a, did, a, did a teacher drop a book next to your head? Not my head, but I, I mean, I witnessed it. There, I had a teacher in high school whose whole thing was like, if you were obviously asleep, he'd just grab a bunch of books and drop them next to your head on the desk and be like, hi, sleeping beauty. 
You know, high school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Did you want to mention anything else about the song, or should we move on to another one? Uh, it is the track, I think, that reminds me the most of Zappa, just because of the sex-adjacent, like, subject material combined with retro, like, 50s pastiche. And yeah, those like those discordant notes up against like uh, an otherwise genteel melody. It kind of reminded me of what Zappa's doing actually kind of around this time with uh, Lumpy Gravy and We're Only In It For The Money, especially stuff from We're Only In It For The Money, like Concentration Moon or Mom and Dad. So your other two were Fala Fali and uh, Slow Boat. Yeah, I bet you hate Slow Boat. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, I love Slow Boat. Uh, amidst all of the sarcasm that they, Sparks has through their music, there's something for some reason about Slow Boat that feels strangely genuine and sweet to me. That's, the, that's what threw me off about it. It was like, like, there's no joke here. This is just a Yacht Rock song. Yeah, and for some reason, that's, that's why I love it. <laughs> I, I love that, that for some reason, out of all of the tracks, all of the styles they try out in this debut, they're like, no laughing at the Yacht Rock. <laughs> I w- we will die by our yacht. Everything, everything else, you can make fun of anyone and anything, but don't you dare laugh at my Yacht Rock. <laughs> it's so interesting that you were talking about this album being, for lack of a better word, trendy, like for 1971, when like, in a way, they invented Yacht Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another thing to thank them for. Oh no! <laughs> thank no, 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 no! Yeah, no. don't complain now. <laughs> we got we, a couple albums to go before you're listening to all Yacht Rock six times <laughs> for a month. <laughs> oh ass! <laughs> no, 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 no! <laughs> it reminded me of like just like the worst songs by like Chicago, like the like the everyone needs some time away, like yeah. shit. <laughs> And, like, for some reason, I just find, especially for their time, something kind of, like, nicely badass, uh, or, like, a cheesy kind of badass when they switch from the guitar solo to the strings. I guess also part of it is some of the backstory I know uh, about uh, how sort of Slow Boat specifically impacted their getting of a record deal, actually. Really? Yeah. They put on (laughs) a performance for their original record label, Mm -hmm. and for Slow Boat... They had made a small, like, papier-mâché boat for Russell to row across the stage uh, while singing it. The problem, though, was the stage itself was not very wide, so he kept having to awkwardly, like, turn around the boat (laughs) while singing because the song wasn't over yet. He's like, I gotta keep rowing. I gotta keep rowing this slow boat. (laughs) So... It kind of has, it adds a little bit of this, like, elementary school play energy for me, where it's kind of got that, like, here's our slow boat song, we hope you like it. <laughs> Are you saying that without slow boat, they might not have gotten a record deal? I th- yeah, I think I'm saying, without the, I'll say it, beautiful Yacht Rock, uh, they wouldn't have gotten a record deal, and we wouldn't be here talking. Oh so my there. god. <laughs> I'm going to get back on my yacht that I stole and just uh, put on a bad white polo, some cargo shorts, and just, you know, jam. And we'll chill and spend the day in Marina Del Rey's. we head into our intermission. When we come back, we'll be naming our bottom three tracks from the album Sparks. So stay tuned, buckaroo. 
Totally awesome! Isn't Sparks like totally dutiful? They're okay. Okay? Twiggy, Sparks is your ultimate favorite group in the whole world. For sure. Hello? Folks, protein's hard to come by these days. Where am I even supposed to get it? Where's the protein store, damn it? There's not a, there's not a protein store in sight. Not in, not, not in Chicago and not wherever I live. <laughs> wherever. Well, everyone knows you're a nomadic podcaster. That's true. My home was on wheels, uh, but then some jokers punctured my tires. So then I, would, I, had, a, I, had, a, I had a stable home um, from my mobile home. <laughs> But I had I had to keep moving, so I had to abandon my stable home. Well, I've been I've been riding rails, mostly monorails, honestly. I've been kind of like going across this great nation sort of series of monorails uh, to any city that'll take me. But when I'm on the go um, and I need protein, uh, nothing satisfies uh, that hunger. Uh, more than a can of Mendel's beans. Mendel's beans for pro-teens and non-teens. For pro-teens and amateur teens. Yeah. So they come eight to a pack. It's a really tiny can. Gib, I know that, you know, just like one matchbox can hold 80 packs of Mendel's beans. Yeah, portability is the new thing. Everyone wants smaller phones, smaller gadgets, smaller pants. Mm -hmm. Well, we've got smaller beans to fit in those smaller pants. That's true. They People want smaller pants, but they don't want to wear shorts. No, not at all. Because there's no dignity in shorts. <laughs> Legs and breeze don't mix. No, you're absolutely right. There's no dignity in shorts, and that is why mosquitoes lay their vengeance upon people who do wear shorts, as if to remind them of their lack of dignity. Their lack of dignity, and also, probably, lack of Mendel beans. That's right. Mosquitoes are huge fans of Mendel beans. Uh, nine out of ten mosquitoes agree that Mendel's beans for pro teens and amateur teens are just what you need when you're on the fly. And uh, between you and me... That one fly, kind of an asshole. So, I mean, I wouldn't listen to him. No, that's true. You know, he might have been the one who punctured my tires. Oh, ah, see? Mm-hmm. Don't listen to him. Never mind. Nine out of nine mosquitoes <laughs> agree. Mendel's beans. Chew them up. Eat them up. Buy them up. Uh, don't spit them up. Okay, bye! To Male Living Space, a podcast about Sparks, where I talk about Sparks because I love Sparks, and Jamie talks about Sparks because Jamie doesn't know anything about Sparks. Sparks! Sparks. All right, we've gone over some of our top three tracks, and now it's time to name bottom three. We started off before the intermission talking about Slowboat, so I'm going to keep going and talking about Slowboat. <laughs> yeah, for your bottom three. My bottom three are... <laughs> Big bands, Roger slow and Slowboat. Slow <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, you listeners, you can't see it obviously, but I'm crossing my arms, waiting to hear Jamie dunk on Slowboat. <laughs> it's uh, do it. Okay, here's the thing. Like, I really dislike. I technically dislike big bands more than Slowboat. Because big bands start so well before the sh worst rap I have heard, <laughs> before the drug PSA rap. 
But Slow Boat is the worst of soft rock cheese. It is obnoxious, interminable. It is non-dynamic. It has no game whatsoever. It is not even, it even fails romantically. It is a poor excuse for a ballad. And honestly, 10cc did it a whole lot better doing the art rock ballad, I'm Not In Love, a few years later. (laughs) I genuinely love this a lot. Uh (laughs) Give, what are your bottom three? My bottom three, this is going to be interesting, Sacred and the War. No! But we do both not like big bands. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> Finally, uh, Fletcheronorama. I was gonna put Fletcheronorama in my bottom three instead of big bands, but then I felt that like Fletcheronorama is like, you know, it reminded me of LA Woman era Doors. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's, it's not my favorite Doors era, but it's still fine American rock music. I think I put Fletcheronorama in my bottom three just because instrumentally, I just felt like it wore out its welcome. It's the only track on the record that I think I actually felt genuinely bored anytime I got to it. Where it's just like, oh, okay, I'm here. Yeah. We're at, we're at Fletcher. <laughs> I also think the um, fade out is kind of lazy. Yeah, exactly. So it's just kind of boring, in my opinion, and doesn't leave much of a real impression. And then, funny enough, while I still do you know, dislike big bands to an extent, mm-hmm. I do get a little bit of like kitschy cheesy joy out of the rap on the back half you like the rap <laughs> the funny thing is i didn't think the show is canceled <laughs> i didn't think of it as a rap until you said it which is really funny that's something I'm like i guess it is kind of a little rap breakdown at the end when he kind of puts on that voice is i think when it starts to become more of like a full-on joke Mm -hmm. and a bit more self-aware of like this is cheesy this is ridiculous Mm -hmm. when in that first half it's i'm more kind of where you're at where i'm just like this has been this has been done better but I, i still do think the story itself is kind of funny but once it gets to the rap breakdown i'm it's more for a laugh than an actual lyrical content, you know? No, I, I thought, like, the... Is the is the chorus saying, wide ends, white passion? <laughs> what is it saying? <laughs> Let me, I can actually pull this up quick. <laughs> for I am quite partial, broke, spent, I marshal all my strength when big bands play. Broke, spent, I still marshal? Wow. Yeah, you got a completely different thing out of it, yeah. but it's entertaining. I thought that, like, it was, like, this fun, like, deconstruction about how all of, like, the big bands of that era were these, like, corny white guys. And that's why there was a corny white guy rap. Right. That would make more sense. Now you're probably less satisfied. Yeah. It it remains on my bottom three. It remains on the bottom three. (laughs) I actually put Saccharin in the War um, in my top three instead of big bands uh, after my fifth listen. I was kind of going between the two until I remembered that I just hated every time the rap hit in big bands. (laughs) You had Saccharin in the War in your bottom three. Yeah, so with Saccharin, vocally, for some reason, I just found it kind of grating. I usually do dig his really high voice and like just the crazy range he's got with it. Mm. But there's just something that kind of irked me about the sound. Um, I'm not even quite sure how to put it into words, but it's just like the way he did it. I just couldn't get into it. 
this might just be me being dumb for all I know, but I just couldn't really get what the song was about. How, what did you interpret it as? Like what, what to you is saccharin and the war about? Um, I heard a lyric about like a constitution, but like even across six listens, I couldn't really get a read. I, do you, would it be like advisable to like listen to like Sparks reading the lyrics? A big reason why they're cherished as a band is their lyrics. Ron Mayle, despite you know being the keyboardist, not the singer, writes most of the songs. Mm. And they're just so full of really wordy jokes and just kind of, they're good instrumentally with hooks and uh, really energetic beats that can still get you dancing but i feel like to really get the full message the full meal from it is looking it up and trying to sort of find out this puzzle because a lot of the times the narrative does take some you know deep diving some thinking to figure out what exactly this little self-contained story is about wonder girl is probably the closest they got to a very general non-specific love song that and slow boat um, that and slow boat <laughs> yeah <laughs> but beyond those and especially as the albums progress sometimes you kind of do need a lyric sheet just because hell russell might just be singing really fast you know hey that rap breakdown is pretty sick and fast so you might not know all the rhymes russell's dropping you know <laughs> But the reason why, like, I love Saccharin and the War so much, I love that stomping, like, chugging rhythm. The main, like, melodic idea, I was like, oh, this is familiar. And I was, like, trying. This is so funny. Like, I only figured it out, like, today, like, what it reminded me of. It's, like, the B section from Ramon's Judy is a Punk. Oh, right. Yeah. It does have Judy is a Punk energy. Yeah. I like Judy is a Punk. I like this. I like, I like this song. I like Judy. We love like, we love we, we Judy. We love Judy. We love Sheena. <laughs> Moving on, No More Mr. Nice Guys was almost in my top three and made it into your top three. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, in my book report, I joked that it's kind of like the invention of cock rock. And obviously, like, Alice Cooper is hugely inspired by it for his own No More Mr. Nice Guy track. Yeah. Like, okay, like, the first time I listened to it, I was like, oh, what are they doing? Are they doing, like, some fucking, like, nice guys finish last type shit? <laughs> That's what I was expecting, too, when I first listened to it. Right? And then, like, the second and third time I listened to it, I was like, oh, it's about, like, a guy who's getting cucked. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, but then I, the joke is, but he's still quite nice. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love that. I think it's really funny to sort of try to write this kind of triumphant sounding song for a loser. I'm yeah. a sucker for that kind of shit. Trying to sort of romanticize, not even something necessarily bad or like asshole ish. It's just like trying to paint someone pathetic as a winner is entertaining to me yeah no ab- absolutely you can hear that russell's like in this poor fella's corner yeah yeah exactly <laughs> he's like russell's the friend who will listen to this guy whine about being cucked yeah russell's the one being like hey but you're really nice though right you, like, uh, that's like you... the comfort right it's not like like lose her dude it's like ah you're a nice fella like you're just nice it's like hey you bought me popcorn when we went to the movies you're a great guy <laughs> 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 yeah that opening riff i thought it had like the right amount of like swagger to it i thought the kind of goofy voice that he put on for the, the second part of the chorus is kind of much 
Yeah, it can wear on the ear a little bit. The nice thing. <laughs> the first few times I listened to it, I was like, yeah, that's kind of obnoxious. But then over time, I was like, you know what? The concept of the song is like goofy enough and like well-meaning enough for that to just sort of be like whatever. He does a goofy voice. At least he doesn't rap. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think this definitely is a great closing track, but imagine if Big Bands was the closing track. Oh my god. Imagine if it, at the midpoint, is Yacht Rock and ends with a very, very, very white Californian guy rapping about not doing drugs. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, right, that like last half the way that we've talked about it like it's a roller coaster of oh no here comes slow boat oh biology too oh saccharin in the war this, this is divisive oh no big bands oh hey no no, no more <laughs> mr nice guys you know? yeah <laughs> oh let's talk about roger oh yeah and uh, i guess we'll talk about Fala Fali also uh because that's one of your top and Roger, I feel kind of the same way that you feel about Fletcher on Arama, where every time it comes on, like, I find it to be kind of nondescript, even if the harpsichord yeah. sound is kind of interesting. The reason why I brought up, like, Queen in my book report is because I've heard this kind of, like, honestly, maybe it's kind of fitting that the song is titled Roger, because it reminded me of, like, the songs that, like, the drummer of Queen would write. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I can imagine Sparks riding, I'm in love with my car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I would would listen to the hell out of a Sparks cover of that. Uh, Yeah, and I guess it it makes sense also that we uh, talk a little bit about Fala Fali because I kind of connect it with Roger in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Because with Fala Fali, why I like it is because every time I listen to it, it feels like I'm watching the beginning of like <laughs> a, a, a shitty 2000s Justin Long comedy <laughs> where he works at a GameStop or some shit with like the little um, almost stylophone-esque. Maybe a, mo- maybe a modular synth. Yeah. Whenever that song kicks in, I just picture like Justin Long tying some Converse shoes and uh, <laughs> uh, not getting a girl. And then Roger feels like the opening for the really bad sequel where they couldn't even get Justin to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Right, it's instead of Justin Long, it's like... Horatio Sands. Horatio Sands or like Patrick Schwarzenegger. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, because it's like, not horrible. It wouldn't be a horrible opening song for a movie, but it's just... I wouldn't make an effort to consume it. I wouldn't seek out the sequel movie. I wouldn't seek out Roger the song. But it's inoffensive, I guess. But Fa La Fa Lee to you, like, kind of has some bounce to it. Like, yeah. you know, there's that reference to the Holly song, like, right there, like, off the bat. It's very cheeky. Yeah, there you go. Cheeky's a good word for it, too. It's got a really fun, cheeky energy to it that I think Roger sort of dulls a little bit yeah it's a song that doesn't really like find its center exactly you don't know where it's going and then it doesn't even go anywhere right and then it just sort of like abruptly ends now that we have gotten through our top and bottom tracks is time for us to rank this album on the ignitometer so jamie on a scale from stone to oil left in pan too long 
Where do you rank Sparks' self-titled debut album? Well, Gib, you know, I it's no secret to the listener that I've been unimpressed mm-hmm. by sure. certain choices made by the Male Brothers on this first album. So I'm going to have to say that for the fleeting moments of brilliance on Biology 2 and for inventing Cock Rock um, on No More Mr. And Yacht nice Rock. And yacht but then again, rock. they also invent yacht rock. So you know what? God, it just reminded me of how bad slow boat is again. Um, <laughs> you you so, mean wonderful? Just for that, I'm going to say that on the igniter meter, it is a propane tank just below campfire. <sighs> That's fair. I understand that. Uh, I would place it. Let's see. Where does Gib put it on the igniter meter? Gib puts it at uh, exposed wire. Mm, uh, okay. So while I do clearly enjoy a lot of the tracks on here, with more and more listens, I kind of got more disinterested in listening to its uh, front and back, I mm. think is a big key part. There are enough tracks like Roger and, in my opinion, Saccharin and the War, where I'm kind of just looking at the watch I don't own. And just mm-hmm. like, all right, let's get on to one of my favorites. You know, uh, you know me yelling slow boat from a distance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'm still getting multiple tracks in my head a lot of the time. Uh, just, you know, walking to and from work and all that. It's still really easy for even like admittedly one dimensional song like Wonder Girl to just stick in my head for the day. And not in like a truly like an irritating earworm sort of way. It's just like, all right, I can roll with this for the day. It is sort of interesting that the album kind of moves from Wonder Girl to No More Mr. Nice Guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, elaborate on that. This sort of idea of going from this very like innocent sort of, you know, Wonder Girl, make me a Wonder <laughs> Boy. Very kind of juvenile take on romance. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're not looking at it so much as like a progression, but looking at it as kind of like bookends. Yeah. And then having no more Mr. Nice Guys, this sort of like interrogation of machismo and okay, like once you've become the Wonder Boy for the Wonder Girl, <laughs> is it really that wonderful? Yeah, totally. Uh, also to add on to what you were saying about Wonder Girl with its really kind of naive, sweet energy, there's a great live video, and it just matches that energy so much because they are surrounded by audience members, very young audience members too, like a lot of young hip teens and twenty-somethings and, and all that. And mm. like, there's even like kind of the balcony area or whatever behind them, so it's like you've got a bunch of like young hip people with their legs swinging behind them, and everyone's got this look of like, "What is this music? What is <laughs> rock and roll?" Like, we could dance to it. Whoa! Like, <laughs> kind of yeah. that, um, what's that, what is that Tobey Maguire movie where everything goes into color when people have sex? What's uh, <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, it has a kind of Pleasantville energy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the movie with the Fiona Apple cover of Across the Universe. Oh, God, it is. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, they went to me for some facts about that decade when they were making Pleasantville. They said, Gib, mm-hmm. you look like you're 26, <laughs> but we know that's all the, that's just the creams. You're like 100, right? That's right. <laughs> Even though you are a party boy, I would say you are, you are sort of a wizened party boy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'm not, uh, like, shotgunning beers, but mm-hmm. 
I am uh, sort of smoking from the distance, making sure nobody gets hurt. <laughs> I'm a I'm a party guy. You're a party guy. You love to party, and I love to read our listener mail. And so it's time, of course, listener, for our final segment of the episode, which is uh, You've Got Mail. You've Got Mail. We are going to be reading some listener feedback. Even though this is the first episode, people have been sort of hounding us. Yeah. So let's see what I've got here. Uh, Gib, this one's addressed uh, specifically to you. Oh. Dear Gib, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) I am looking forward to your Sparks-themed podcast. I love sparks, especially national ones and theme ones. I only hope for the safety of your life that you don't say anything bad about people who wear anything other than pants as bottoms, especially during spring and summer months. Uh, Sincerely, yours, Bermuda Bottoms. (laughs) Oh, Bermuda Bottoms. They've been trying to reach me forever. Now, by I mean, I guess this is the easiest way to get to me. I blocked them on my phone, so... You uh, block Bermuda Bottoms? I block Bermuda Bottoms. Uh, th- honestly, I appreciate the letter, but uh, before this letter, they have just been giving me constant voicemails, uh, as well as... Oh, the singing telegrams. Yeah, yeah, they've been giving me singing telegrams about all this. Yeah, I don't know what to do about it, but... Until then, I'm keeping these long pants on. I'm sorry. We have the shorts all winter, guys. I am the pants all summer, guys. There's an equilibrium. (laughs) Uh, We need to keep a balance. Pants on all summer as you keep on partying. Indeed. Thanks for the letter. Now, uh, also, I just got one addressed to you, Jamie. It's funny how we both. Yeah, it's funny how we both got letters addressed to the opposite host. Uh, yeah, that's direct- so strange. Directly mailed to us, too, and everything. It's wild. Yeah, right. It's uh, wild that, like, the one that was addressed to you got sent to my address, and the one that yeah. was addressed to me got sent to yours. I love that both of our addresses are known. So, anyway, uh, this letter is from Kentucky from Kentucky. Oh, okay. Uh, dear Jamie. Well, this seems weird. All it says is, please pick up soap and noodles. Uh, from your your roommate, your roommate. You know my roommate Kentucky. in Kentucky. You have a roommate in Kentucky. This says from your roommate in Kentucky, mm-hmm. Kentucky. That was when uh, okay. That was when I rode the monorail into Louisville, and I roomed with someone who uh, was known for tucking in their shirt and for using a lot of soap. So buy it on your own, Ken. Yeah, this just seems like a grocery list. I think Ken still thinks you live with him. Okay, well, yes, I did put a very, a photorealistic mannequin of myself on the couch with a tape recorder, with a tape of some of my most well-known phrases, like, sit on it, and, uh, and stick it. And who ate all the shark? You're saying that all the time. Okay, I see the confusion here, because one of my famous phrases is, oh, we need to buy soap. Ah. Uh... Oh, right. Okay, see, I think they must be a fan of your other work. I'm not sure how interested in Sparks they are. Well, uh, Ken, this is a, uh, I'm sorry, this is a Sparks podcast, so please keep all questions, concerns, and adoring compliments uh, about Sparks. Uh, hell, the, uh, Ken, you could have even just added to the grocery list uh, by the album, and then it would have been relevant, but uh, Ken, this is just petty. Absolutely. 
But listeners, if you would like to leave your adoring comments about the band Sparks or the podcast, you can do so on the podcast app of your choice when you leave your rating and review so you too can have your message to us read during our famous You've Got Mail segment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thank you uh, to everyone for listening to this first episode. We have a lot more sparks to go through and a lot more talk to go with all of it. A lot more talk, a lot more spark, a lot more yammering. So stay tuned next month when we cover their second album, A Woofer in Tweeter's Clothing. Looking forward to it. <clears throat> and now, for your listening pleasure and ours, six legally allowable seconds of the music of Sparks. See you next month for the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.